There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Friday, June 10th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Today on the show, we take a local focus on the first January 6th hearing with CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarlane. He's been nearly exclusively covering the Capitol insurrection and gives us perspective on the biggest takeaways from the hearing, but also the mental toll the insurrection took on our neighbors and friends who work at the U.S. Capitol and they're still dealing with a year and a half later. It's a lot of trauma to this. Um, We know some of the staffers here have created support groups. They meet monthly to talk about the pain that lingers. And professor of history at American University, Alan Lichman, takes us back to critical moments in our country's history that threatened our democracy before and the impact the insurrection on January 6th will have on our future. The big question here is, as in the past, are we capable of coming together as a people and resolving the threat to our democracy? Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Millions of Americans watched the first of six congressional hearings, hoping to get to the bottom of what led up to the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th and President Trump's role in it. But the national story is a very personal one for many in our region, as our neighbors and friends are among those who responded that day, were hurt that day and impacted by the events of that day. Joining us now is CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarlane, who has covered the investigation and the trials of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and many more who came to D.C., on January 6th. Scott, thanks for joining us on Zoom. We appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> we know it's been a busy uh, 24 hours. Um, I just let's start with what was your take on the first night of the hearings, you know, broadcast in prime time, millions of Americans watching. Um, many of it, like the majority of it was reviewing details that we've heard and you've reported. But what really stood out to you? It felt like the table of contents to a book and not the book itself. Like they were explaining what other hearings are going to include, explaining where they're going, foreshadowing what's ahead versus telling me the story just now. Hmm. Um, the committee made pretty clear a few things, though. Um, they echoed what they've been saying quietly in their court filings as they did their investigation. They believe Donald Trump was a conspirator, that he engaged in a conspiracy to defraud the United States and obstruct an official proceeding. They made pretty clear that they're going to try to show that he could have but didn't call in any help to stop the rioters, to prevent the rioters, to respond to this unique American horror. And they also threw a couple nuggets in there that seemed like news to me. First of all, they said it verbally, not in their written uh, statements, but that they believe the Proud Boys got to the Capitol in the morning before President Trump spoke that day, and we're doing reconnaissance. We're looking for vulnerabilities, the Peace Circle area, the West Front of the Capitol, Mm. that they found those vulnerabilities and seemed to exploit those vulnerabilities to lead the mob up the West Front, where the the largest crowd had gathered. 
They also mentioned that a few Republican House members were talking about getting pardons after January 6th. That was provocative. They didn't back it up. That's in the table of contents. They're going to get to that story in their future hearings. And Scott, you know, as a local guy who's lived in this region for a long time, do you think it's easy to lose the impact of the people who were in the Capitol, you know, that day? In your reporting, you know, what have you been hearing from, you know, the staff, the police officers and people that were just local residents on that day? These hearings are going to stir up some level of either trauma or emotions that may have gone latent over the last 16 months. In fact, I may have mentioned to you earlier, there's there's this series of hearings that's coming. And some of the folks who work here want to watch, but they're not sure what they're going to see next. Because what they saw last night was pretty powerful. And what they saw last night caused people in the room to shed some tears because... It's a lot of trauma to this. Um, We know some of the staffers here have created support groups. They meet monthly to talk about the pain that lingers. And this was a distinctive attack, nothing like it ever before. There's no other group you can meet with. There's no past survivors who can help you get through whatever you're suffering because you were here that day. And you got to think of the range of people who were here that day, not just the 140 officers who were injured. D.C. and federal, not just the National Guard that was eventually called in, not just the staff to the politicians, but how about the architect of the Capitol workers, the landscapers, the custodians, the cafe workers, Mm. all of whom had to cower for their lives from a mob that, as you saw during that hearing, was vicious and visceral. And it's not like many of them can choose to work somewhere else. Speaking to the uniqueness of the event, right? I mean, you, you that is where the business of the government is conducted. Um, during the hearings, we heard the personal story of one Capitol Police officer, Caroline Edwards, and she described her experience about being overpowered by the crowd, suffering a concussion, and then going on to what she said was just hours of hand-to-hand combat. I, what I saw was just a, a war scene. I, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Why do you think her story was one that the committee chose to highlight last night over the dozens of others from first responders that day? Yeah, there's a lot of powerful stories. And I think the officer would be the first to tell you that everybody there that day was a hero, not just her. But she certainly was a hero. (laughs) Um, Let me be emphatic about that. She's still off the job. Um, She's still suffering from injuries that continue to linger. She's not the only one. How about the Sergeant Aquilino Gunnell, who we saw in the front row last night during the hearings? He still has shoulder, foot, and hand pain that's prevented him from fully returning to work. Mm. Yeah, time has gone by, but injuries remain, not just the physical ones. This is still a traumatized community, and it's not just the officers. Again, you had other people who had to clean up this mess, who had to wipe away, had to hear racial epithets. That type of pain lingers, too. Mm. And from your reporting, have you heard whether there's still a fear that something like this could happen again, you know, among those in the Capitol or just those who are watching, you know, these sorts of actions play out? There should be and there is fear of political violence. Um, It may not manifest itself the same way, but let's look into some of the recent reporting we've done. 
threat investigations conducted by the United States Capitol Police have grown by orders of magnitude in the last few years. They're investigating wildly more threats than they used to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not hard to find a case each day for Capitol Police where they're going out investigating somebody for directing or making a threat at an elected official. I'm standing at the U.S. Capitol right now looking at the East Front. And I can see an eight-foot black metal fence surrounding the Supreme Court. There's obviously some concern of political violence. Um, there was an arrest in our area in Montgomery County this week. Somebody who traveled all the way here and told the 911 dispatcher he planned to engage in political violence. So that threat is palpable. It's significantly higher than it used to be. It just may not look the way it looked January 6, 2021. But they communicate something symbolic to the folks who work here that this is not the open place you remember, that we're at, we have a heightened posture, we're a little more tense, and I can't imagine that doesn't manifest itself in the way workers carry themselves. And Scott, returning to that idea of the table of contents, you know, this is the first of six hearings that we saw, you know, last night. So when is the second hearing going to be, and what are your expectations for it? Second hearing is Monday, 10 a.m. They're not going to do it in prime time, and that may be a strategy that's beyond my understanding. Maybe they want to mix up the possible audiences. Maybe they want to have the television networks agreeable and giving them the airtime again. Hmm. Primetime airways are tough to come by. But we know where it's going to focus. It's going to focus on the voter fraud claims, the voter fraud lies. The committee said in its statements last night that they're going to show that they have evidence that the Trump inner circle, the family, the chief of staff, the attorney general, all knew these fraud claims were bogus. They called him BS last night. The attorney general did. He didn't say BS. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. They're going to lean into that and say that this was the first step of a multi-step process to overturn an election and put democracy at risk. CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarland, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know it's been a busy day and really highlighting for us what we should take away from the first January 6th hearing last night. Thanks, guys. And after the break, we take time to look back on the country's history to better know what January 6th means now as social media continues to polarize our country. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC or refrigeration project, Go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602. Changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like the podcast, head to our show page, give us a rating, and leave a review. We read all of them and use the suggestions to improve this show that we're so proud of. It also helps other listeners find this, our region's only local daily news podcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We now take a second to zoom out and look at yesterday's January 6th hearing from a historical perspective in hopes of better understanding this moment in American history. For that, we turn to distinguished professor of history at American University, Alan Lichtman. And Professor Lichtman, thank you so much for being with us on Zoom here today. My great pleasure. Um, help us 
calibrate this sort of moment we're in. Um, what was your take on the hearing last night from a historical perspective? Well, from an historical perspective, this is one of the great inflection points in the history of American democracy. There have been significant inflection points in the past. The election of 1800, the first true election between two competing political parties. And there was a tie. And then, of course, as everyone knows, the great threat to our democracy was the Civil War. Of course, it took a much longer and much more bloody war than anyone had expected to preserve the Union and ultimately end slavery and save our democracy. Everyone knows, of course, about the Watergate scandal, where Nixon and his cronies really tried to subvert our democracy. And what people may not know is the break-in was in June of 1972, and Nixon did not resign until August of 1974. It took well over two years from the event to finally resolving it. That might give you some perspective on what one single night means in this context. And so what do all of those historical moments really share? What do they have in common? What they all have in common is that they threaten the survival of our democracy. You know, democracies are typically destroyed from conflicts within, not invasions without. And what they all have in common is the American people ultimately found some way of resolving them differently in every case. So the question here is, we are again posed with a threat to our democracy from within. And I think the biggest takeaway that you should take from those hearings is not to narrowly focus on January 6th, as horrific and challenging as those events were. As Liz Cheney, a conservative Republican pointed out, January 6th was just a culmination of many, many weeks of a seven point plan to undermine our democracy and shatter the verdict of the people of the United States. And so the big question here is, as in the past, are we capable of coming together as a people and resolving the threat to our democracy? You know, Republicans said, oh, forget about this. Just look at inflation. Well, inflation comes and goes. But once you lose your democracy, you're not going to get it back in any easy way. And to, to your point, we got to this place in part because this country is so politically polarized. And in D.C., of course, we all have a vested interest, as many of us either you know lived through this or just generally have a greater interest in the connection to the city and to our government. But how important is it for Americans as a whole to watch these hearings and engage, as I think many think oh, I've seen this evidence before through social media or, you know, reported in the last year and a half. Why is engaging in this moment important for us as as citizens of this country? Every citizen should engage in this moment. We all have a stake in our democracy. And democracy is precious, but precious things can be destroyed. You know, after World War I, we had the golden age of democracy, two dozen or more democracies. And then by the 1940s, the number of democracies had been cut in half. Democracy was being destroyed. And I think every American should be aware of the importance of our democracy. And so we've been talking about, you know, other historical events throughout American history that, you know, mirror our current perilous point. 
But, you know, there are a lot of new factors here at play. We have technology. We have social media. How do those all play into this story of greater polarization in our country? And again, this consequential moment we're in. Well, modern technology is not the cause of polarization, but it is complicit in polarization. I recently published a book called 13 Cracks Repairing American Democracy After Trump, in which I lay out how our democracy could be destroyed and how we can save it. And one of the things I point out is the role of social media. You know, social media is a business. Never forget that. They're out to make money. And how do you make money? <clears throat> you make it by creating these bubbles, these self-reinforcing bubbles. And they come to believe that any contrary information is just illegitimate. Distinguished professor of history at American University, Alan Lichtman, we could talk to you for days. <laughs> but unfortunately, we only have a short amount of time. We really appreciate you shedding some light on this from a historical perspective for us. My great pleasure. Let's do it again. And it's worth noting just this afternoon, the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera, put out a statement um, regarding the inflammatory words shared by his assistant coach, uh, Jack Del Rio, that we talked about yesterday on the podcast um, essentially saying that the commanders are not going to tolerate that kind of speech. Part of his statement says this, referring to Jack Del Rio, quote, he does have the right to voice his opinion as a citizen of the United States, and it most certainly is his constitutional right to do so. Goes on to say, however, I want to make clear that our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th who sought to topple our government. Mm, yeah. And Rivera, you know, it's not just leveling words here. He actually says he's fining Coach Del Rio $100,000 um, for, you know, for these comments. He called January 6th a dust up. He later did apologize, but it's clear here that Coach Ron Rivera, you know, wants Del Rio to, you know, face consequences. Yeah. And apparently they're going to take that $100,000 and donate it to the United States Capitol Police Memorial Fund. And before we go, if you're an international traveler out there, the U.S. actually just ended its COVID-19 testing requirement, which is going to make for a lot smoother travel this summer season. And Luke cares because Luke is headed overseas. I will be. Yes, yes. Yes, I will. And <laughs> I just you know, made all the reservations. Very excited. It's going to be great. But one potential hiccup is that you know I had to you know, rent a car. Yeah. And... I got a manual transmission, you know, because okay. it's really difficult to get like an automatic transmission, and I've never learned stick shift. Wait, so wait. <laughs> I've I've got a couple <laughs> weeks to learn it, or else I'm going to be <laughs> stranded, and you'll never hear from me again. So the stakes are high here. Wait a minute, you never learned how? To, then why would you rent a manual? Well, I I looked at it and I was like, you know, we could get the automatic car for like hundreds of dollars of more a day, and I was like, nah. I can I can learn manual. I'm not gonna like pay that much money for what it. What so. does your travel partner think about this? Because she too could be stranded in the middle of Europe and not, you know, does she know how to drive a manual? No, 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 no. It's it's the onus is on me. Oh lord. Um, so you know, I'm gonna take some practice runs and I'm gonna learn. I've been watching YouTube and I have all the theoretics behind it now, <laughs> but from what I've been told, it's really just a feel thing. So I, I better oh lord better learn. So if you have any tips. Anyone out there has tips to how to, on how to drive? On how to drive, you know, just mm. manual, master mm -hmm. it. Let me know, and I will gladly listen because this is a necessity. Wow, I kind of want this whole thing to be documented on video. <laughs> I want to see the the initial drive and how well it goes. This is so funny. We can get out of the parking lot. Well, yeah, we'll good see. luck to you, Luke Garrett. Thanks. 
That'll do it for us today on DMV <laughs> Download. What a week. We are sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab. And our music, of course, is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. We read all of them. And follow us on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend.